I was out Christmas shopping in the Chiswick High Road yesterday morning when my phone went, and it was a text message from Colin Dye. Those of you who are visitors may not know that Colin is the senior minister here. He asked me to ring him, and I phoned him, and he was ill in bed, and a husky voice uh, with his chest infection asked me if I'd stand in today and preach for him. So before I do that, I think it would be most appropriate if we prayed for him. Let's stand together, shall we? Father in heaven, we want to publicly honor your servant, Colin. Thank you for him. Thank you for his unique gifting and anointing for which so many of us have had life-changing experiences. And we pray today that he'll know your presence. Touch him, Lord. Heal him, we pray. Speed up those processes of healing in his body and speak to him at this time. Reveal something of your eternal purposes anew to him and bring him back soon walking and leaping and praising God. Play for him and Amanda, his wife. You're blessed. Continue to bless them as a couple. Thank you for using them here, there, and everywhere. We pray that anointing which abides upon them will be an ever-increasingly experienced by them and by those of us who sit under their ministry. And all God's people said, Amen. Well done. Amen. Please take your seats. If you have a Bible... I'd love you to turn to the book of Matthew. That's the first book in the New Testament. Remember the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? And uh, it's in Matthew and in Luke that we get to know uh, the Christmas story. Matthew chapter 2 and Luke chapter 2 in the main. And I want to read from Matthew chapter 2 today. And then I want to read a Christmas carol to you, okay? I think it'll be familiar to many of you. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, He was troubled, and all Jerusalem troubled with him, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it's written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you've found him, bring me word that I may come and worship him too. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they'd seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts 
gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Michelle Collins PA asked me what was the title of my message this morning. And I said, We Three Kings! Exclamation mark. And I want to read that carol to you because I think it's one of the most profound carols that we can sing this Christmas time. We three kings of Orient are, bearing gifts we traverse afar, field and fountain, moor and mountain, following yonder star. Born a king on each, each sorry, born a king on Bethlehem's plain. Gold I bring to crown him again, king forever, ceasing never over us all to reign. Frankincense to offer have I, incense owns a deity nigh. Prayer and praising, voices raising, worshipping God on high. Myrrh is mine, its bitter perfume, breathes a life of gathering gloom. Sorrowing, sighing, bleeding, dying, sealed in a stone-cold tomb. Glorious now, behold him arise, king and God and sacrifice, alleluia, alleluia, sounds through the earth and skies, O star of wonder, star of light, star with royal beauty bright, westward leading, still proceeding, Guide us to thy perfect light. Well, it's a beautiful carol, and I love it. And I said there's some real theological gems in there. But uh, you have to recognize that there's no evidence in the Bible that there were three kings. Could have been 200 kings, 400. And, well, actually, there's no reference to kings in the Bible either. The Bible said, wise men came. So you could have had a hundred wise men or fifty wise men with their entourage because the passage we read said not only Herod was troubled, but the whole of the city was troubled. And I imagine they came in and, and uh, they were quite a sight. But uh, let's not waste a good carol for the sake of the truth. We'll sing three wise men, okay? We don't know when they first saw the star. Do you remember I read to you those words that Herod took them, summoned them secretly, and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. We don't know where it first appeared. We don't know how far away it was, except that it was in the east, wise men from the east. It may have taken them a year or more to, to travel right across Europe and the continents uh, of Africa and wherever, whatever, wherever they, their journey took them. And this star appeared over Jerusalem, so they automatically went to Buckingham Palace they automatically went to the, the king's palace and said, Where, where's this Jesus? We've, been, we've had it revealed to us that the king, of Jews, the king of the Jews is born. Tell us where. Herod panicked. And he got all the scribes and all the chief priests together and said, tell me, if he's born, where does the Bible say he's going to be born? And they quote the Old Testament prophet that he's going to be born in Bethlehem. So, Herod sends them to Bethlehem and says, please tell me exactly where he is. Come back and tell me so I can come and worship him as well. Liar. <laughs> For when the 
wise men didn't come back, God told them to go another way, Herod sent his troops down and had every male that was born, two years old and younger, to destroyed. So it's reasonable to assume that the wise men said to Herod, we saw the star about two years ago. That's only supposition, but I'm trying to ask myself, why did he do two years in younger? Why didn't he do six months in younger, or six days in younger, or six years in under? I'm sure it was what the wise men said to him. And they travel, the star moves, and they follow the star, and it just there shines down on that little abode. And they go in, and they worship him, and give him gifts. And these gifts are very profound. Gold, incense or frankincense, and myrrh. They represent something very important in, in eternal terms and in the life of Jesus. Gold speaks of authority, his kingship. Myrrh speaks of mortality. And incense speaks of his deity. Gold, because he was king, king of kings and lord of lords. Gold I bring to crown him again, king forever, ceasing never, over us all to reign. And he is now, in his sovereign rule, reigning over the whole of creation. Most people don't know it, but one day they will. They'll see him for who he is. All the people of all ages who've ever lived will be before him and see him crowned King of Kings and Lord of Lords. As Christians, we are privileged to know that fact and privileged to worship him. So at various times over this Christmas, think of the gold. You'll see lots of gold around. Perhaps you'll be coveting some gold. Who knows? Uh, maybe you can't afford to give gold, but you'll give something less. But anyway, when we see gold, think of his kingship. That's what the gold that the wise men brought represented. His kingship, his authority, his rule, his reign. And he's reigning in your heart, in your life. The chances are there's someone here this morning. You've come as a guest on this Christmas Sunday. Somebody has persuaded you, bribed you, and you're here. You weren't sure you should have come, and since you arrived, you, you're convinced you shouldn't have come. But you're here. And I want to talk to you about the reign of Jesus, the rule of Christ. You can know it in your own life. It's fantastic to be into the family of God and to know Christ's ruling, Christ, the sense of Christ's authority over your life. It's fantastic. And it's free. The only thing hindering that reign spreading into your life is your will, your decision. No. You want to reign. You want to rule. But having God's reign and rule in you is... Fantastic. So there's the gold, representing his kingship, his authority. And then the incense. You see, the incense was used in the temple as an act of worship. And they brought incense to Jesus. They recognized his deity. Frankincense to offer have I. Incense owns a deity nigh. Prayer and praising, voices raising, worshiping God on high. He is God. There's only one God. It's a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That He was God on earth. And we worship Him as God. The only God. The only true God. And there are all sorts of false gods 
in the world. People worship them in different ways. But there's only one God. There's only one Father. And Jesus said, nobody comes to the Father but by me. If you want to know God as your heavenly Father, which is a fantastic experience. Every day I pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Never a day goes by that I don't pray that prayer. And I love the hour because I think of all the other saints all over the world who may be praying it or who understand it. And I think the most important line in that prayer, probably, is forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Why I say that is because when Jesus finished the prayer, that's the only theme he returned to. He said, by the way, if you don't forgive others, my Father in heaven won't forgive you. And you know, many of you read the book by Dr. Kendall, Total Forgiveness. He calls it a life sentence. Because that person who's hurt you, that person who may have abused you, took you for granted, stole from you, spoke evil about you, did something terrible, you can't get rid of the memory. The memory will be there forever. And you have to repeatedly <clears throat> return and say, forgive them, Lord. Forgive them, Lord. Forgive them. Sometimes it takes a while because the hurt is so deep. But we've got, as Christians, we've got no option. You can cry out to God, God, help me forgive them. And the un unusual thing is you get to that place where you have forgiven them. It's wonderful. Yeah, I've forgiven them. And I feel like, peace. I feel a forgiveness. And then one day when you're not looking, it comes back in like a rushing mighty wind. All the resentment and the anger and the hurt, and it all comes flooding back. And you can just stop and say, Father, help me again. Forgive them. And you know the best antidote to nasty feelings? Is pray for them. I've got a few people in my life who haven't been very kind to me. And so I pray for them every day. Every single day. You can't hold on to resentments and pray with sincerity. You have to choose. Usually we choose to hang on to the resentment. Because what they did was wrong. They shouldn't have done it. They may be, they'll never ask for your forgiveness. They may, they may never admit that they've done wrong. doesn't matter. Our job to forgive them. And our Father in heaven will wonderfully forgive us. Right, we had gold for the king incense for the God he, who he is. Myrrh is mine. Its bitter perfume breathes a life of gathering gloom, sorrowing, sighing, bleeding, dying, sealed in a stone-cold tomb. You see, the myrrh was... I've done the incense, have I? It's... I can't remember now. No, the myrrh. Not, right, sorry. The myrrh is what they used to embalm bodies. So in giving myrrh to the parents, to the child, is speaking of death. The gathering gloom, sorrowing, sighing, bleeding, dying, sealed in a stone-cold tomb. We don't know 
how much Mary understood. Perhaps she did. Perhaps she knew from the beginning. But to be handed myrrh is to be handed almost a death sentence. But in that gift from that treasure, from that wise man speaking of his mortality. You see, if you turn up the pages to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9, you read these words. <clears throat> that we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor. Now that's a direct quote from Psalm 8, which speaks about us being crowned with glory and honor. David says, what is man, what is humankind, that you're mindful of him? You've made him a little lower than the angels and crowned him with glory and honor. And the writer of the Hebrews is taking that verse out of Psalm 8 and, and quoting it there in Hebrews 2. In other words, he who came was just a little lower than God himself. And so are you. And so am I. Humankind is made a little lower than God himself. Crowned with glory and honor. This, we're talking now about humankind. People who don't know God. People who deny God. Nevertheless, they've been crowned with glory and honor. Just like Jesus. What a fantastic privilege. You. You. Us. You. You. Up in the back there, you've been crowned with glory and honor. Isn't that fantastic? You're special. If you could only see how special you are in the sight of God. And the devil is so successful because we all, we are assailed with fears and doubts, low self-worth, low significance, lack of confidence in, in who we are. You, you're a son and a daughter of the living God. And if you could only see how beautiful you are as a Christian in the sight of God, because he sees you in Jesus. He doesn't see all your weaknesses and failings. He sees you covered in Jesus, holy and pure. It was the Scottish poet, Robbie Burns, who said, I wish to God the gift he gave us to see ourselves as others see us. That's important. We should, from time to time, ask ourselves, how am I coming across? Uh, how does this appear? Not that we are too worried about outward appearance, but the fact is, how are we coming across? But I think more significantly, I wish we had the gift to see ourselves as God sees us. Children of the living God. Some of you have a very low sense of self-worth and significance and security. You lack security and significance. You can find them in your heavenly Father. And I hope as you go out this morning, you'll feel a few inches taller, seeing yourself as, as a son of the living God, crowned with glory and honor, and called to be a part of his kingdom. And he suffered. And every human being is called to suffer. We all will have trials. If you haven't had a trial yet, I've got good news for you. One is coming, I promise you, I promise you, with all my heart. And can I say, God loves us so much, he will send those trials. Because it's in the trials that we are shaped. When the income tax re, uh, 
rebate comes or, or it's a sunny day or he asks you to marry him or whatever it is. We don't learn anything in the good times. They are important to have them. More, Lord, more. But we don't learn anything. The learning is in the suffering. And some of you are testimony to that. You've gone through a great trial. You come through the other side. And in the words of Dr. Kendall, you've dignified the trial. It was not easy. But you dignify the trial. And God is honored. And you're a better Christian for it. Now, on the other hand, we believe in healing. I prayed for Colin with faith just now. I believe in healing. And I pray that people are here every day in my life and praying for somebody to be healed. And that's right. And sometimes God answers and sometimes he says no. And sometimes he says not yet. I don't understand why. I really don't. But I will never stop praying for healing because he is the healer. And every one of us, most of us will know of somebody who has been healed. And we say, thank you, Lord. Quite wonderful. So dignify the trial. Christ went through a trial, a terrible trial, in the Garden of Gethsemane and in that shameful, shameful death on the cross. Of course, every painting shows him with a loincloth covering his private parts, but nobody had a loincloth on the cross. He was naked in front of his mother and his disciples. What a shame, humanly speaking. But heaven was thrilled because heaven understood that he was taking upon himself the sin of the world. All your sins, all mine, You wouldn't like to have your sins up on the screen, would you? Shown to everybody. I wouldn't either. I'd be ashamed. Things I've said, things I've done, things I haven't said, things I haven't done. And thoughts. All of it, he took it upon himself on the cross. He paid the price, the penalty for all those sins. All we have to do is come to him and thank him and receive his forgiveness. Isn't that good? Isn't that great? I don't know if you've seen the film Les Miserables. I mean the musical in the West End. It's amazing. It's, it's based on a, 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 a tome written by a Frenchman, Victor Hugo. It's the story of redemption. And I love it. I love it. I've seen it now about six times. Um, I haven't had to pay. You see, when we have American guests in London, They'll say to me, uh, Lyndon, could you recommend a wholesome show in the West End? I say, well, funnily enough, funny you should mention it. <laughs> Les Miserables. And then um, next, uh, would you and Celia be free to accompany us? We'd like to take you to them. So I look up my diary and say, I've got a preaching engagement. I cancel that. And then, no, no, no. no, no. <laughs> but it's a fantastic story. And it's, it's been made into a film. And it's coming out in the middle of January. I haven't seen the film, but the reviews have been staggering. Jean Valjean, Frenchman, he's been in prison for 14 years for stealing a loaf of bread to feed his sister's children. He's out on parole. Everybody can see that he's a a, a prisoner on remand. He's allowed out. And if he behaves himself while he's on remand, while he's on parole, he will be set free. It's a, a probationary period before he'll be set free. Everybody rejects him till he comes to the house of a priest Knocks the door, priest opens the door, welcomes him in, lays a table for him, food, wine, and he gives him a beautiful bed to sleep in. It's the first bed he slept in for 14 years. 
in the middle of the night, he gets up, steals all the silver he can get, puts it in a sack, and off into the night. He's apprehended by the police. And the police look in the sack. They say, what's this? He said, these are gifts. These are presents from the, from the priest. So they march him back to the priest's house. Priest is in bed asleep. They get the priest out of bed, standing there and saying to him, are these presents from you to this man? And Jean Valjean knows. knows. He's just about to go back to prison forever, never to be released on parole, to die, to rot in the prison. And he waits. And the priest says, yes, these are gifts for me, and you forgot these two candlesticks. <laughs> the Christian gospel is about grace, getting what we don't deserve. And it's about mercy. It's not getting what we deserve. Grace and mercy. And if you don't know Jesus, and if you don't see God as your heavenly Father, and the reign of God is not in your life, it can be today. You can accept his grace. Philip Yancey in his famous book, What is So Amazing About Grace, says this. There's nothing I can do to make God love me more. There's nothing I can do to make God love me less. That's his definition of grace. You can't earn God's favor. You can't earn God's mercy. You can't be good and then receive it. It's coming empty-handed. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to your cross I cling. This could be the first true Christmas you've ever had by accepting Jesus, accepting the King who is God, who suffered and died for you. Let's pray, shall we? Father in heaven, I thank you for these precious people made in your image, crowned with glory and honor. I thank you for those who've come into a living relationship with you and they, they see you as father and they worship you as king and God and recognize your suffering and death for them. Thank you, you've saved them. You've saved us. Not by works, but by your grace and your mercy. We pray for those who don't know you, who've come along with friends today, they may be visiting. They were apprehensive about coming and they've been uncomfortable at times during this service. We pray for them. that They'll feel comfortable in your presence. We receive your forgiveness and your grace and your mercy and be born again and become citizens of your kingdom and members of your family. In Jesus' name, amen.